Hello again. This is what I hope another exciting episode of Digging for Something. And of course, I am your host, JJ. So <clears throat> I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and uh, talking about apps and specifically like food and uh, like supermarkets and um, restaurant apps. And uh, this person kind of thought it was funny how I I would I would kind of select what I eat based on what's in the app, what deals are in the app, and things like that. Um, like a McDonald's app, uh, I will go if it's uh, if if there's a deal on there for a free Happy Meal with a uh, with a regular meal, or if I have the ten dollars savings from BurgerFi. Um, so I will basically use apps to <laughs> kind of determine what I may eat on a given night. Now, this person thought it was funny, <laughs> but you know, when, when I said the savings I get from these apps, um, they, they uh, pretty much pay for my gas for the month. So yeah, it works for me. There's a savings. I've never been somebody who you know clips coupons, um, don't really do that. But with these apps, I mean, they kind of do it for you. Uh, like you go to McDonald's and just scan your phone. Um, well, you go to Target, you, you scan the things that are in your cart and it'll automatically tell you, oh, okay, there's 20% off, there's a dollar off, there's this, there's that. And, uh, so then when you go to the register, you just click your app and your savings are automatically added. So I'm a big proponent of it because, you know, it saves you time, saves you money. Um, even for the supermarket, uh, I will... Uh, for Publix, which is a supermarket that uh, is big here, um, I go to their app and uh, see what's buy one get one free and uh, what's on sale. The digital coupons and uh, kind of work my shopping off there. And I, honestly, all this the savings I, I I make really is more than than my gas for the month. So uh, probably pays for a couple of meals too. Um, but I do kind of get uh, annoyed a little bit when. Uh, Things that I mark off in the buy one, get one freeze, uh, they're out of it. And supposedly, I think you get kind of like a rain check or something like that. But uh, honestly, I don't feel like going through the trouble because it'd be like clipping the coupons. I, don't, I, I want it easy for me. Um, if it's something I really want, I might just go to another store. Or if it's like a, um, if the sale just started a Thursday, I have till the following Wednesday, I might go back a, a second time. Um, to see if they've restocked. Um, but yeah, uh, it's annoying when they don't have it. And, you know, I don't want to speak to anybody, but um, these apps, you know, they're pretty good. Um, every every major chain, fast food chain has them. Uh, some are better than others, like, um, you know, BurgerFi. They have, uh, you spend 100 you get a $10 savings. Um, well, once you spend, your cumulative total is 100 you get a $10 um, savings, yeah. five guys, which I'm a big fan of, they don't have the same deals. So they don't get my business. The the ones who get my business are the ones who, who have these deals. Now there's some places that I, I just like a lot and, you know, even if they don't have it, I'll still go. But for the most part, if I'm undecided, um, 
open up that app and see what we got. And hey, it goes with Uber Eats, DoorDash. Uh, sometimes you got uh, some places are offering five dollars off, ten um, percent off, um, things like that. Got to take advantage of it. Uh, the days of uh, you know that uh, our parents or you know, some for the young ones, grandparents of clipping the coupons from the Sunday paper, they're over. It's so convenient now. It's uh, you're saving money without even realizing. Without nobody even knows what you're doing. Um, but works for me, and it should work for all of you as well. Okay, so this week, the vice presidential debate, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. Uh, as predicted, <laughs> there wasn't gonna, you know, there was no fireworks like the uh, the uh, Joe Biden Donald Trump debate. Uh, this debate was much much more watchable. Um, and I, I think overall, uh, they they uh, dealt with each other um, with dignity class as much as you can for a, a political debate. I mean, of course, there's eye rolls. There's That's not true. There is, you know, uh, interruptions. But I think for the most part, they, they were very professional. Um, and uh, th- th- there wasn't, as much talking over as uh, I mean, this wasn't even close. <laughs> it can be half as much, and it would still be much better than the previous one. So uh, this one, you know, was pretty good. Uh, those who won fireworks uh, probably were disappointed, but uh, those who, who kind of just wanted to actually see a debate between political candidates, uh, they got what they wanted. Um, there were multiple uh, topics covered in the hour and a half. Um, I believe there were nine different segments um, with a topic in each segment, uh, roughly 10 minutes. And and each one, uh, each one of the candidates, uh, Harris and, and Pence, uh, won some segments. And, but at the end, neither actually dominated the debate. Um, it was kind of, you know, up and down, um, depending which which topic was being covered. Um, Kamala Harris took the upper hand early since the first topic was COVID and the response to COVID and and what the country is going through. Um, It was pretty much a, a softball topic because obviously everything that's going on and, um, <clears throat> um, obviously, Harris was was very, very, very um, critical of Donald Trump and Donald Pence for the response and things like that. Um, but and Mike Pence did the best he could. Um, though he, he 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 lost even more points from a segment he was already losing because he did not really explain the um the gathering that took place on the I believe it was a road guard Rose Garden of the White House um right before or a few days before Donald Trump uh came out as COVID positive. <clears throat> um but he did the best he could. Uh obviously um he tried to deflect some of uh some of it too um that it would have been worse <laughs> if Joe Biden 
would have been in office. Um, and there were things that they tried to do that uh, the Democrats weren't for. But um, in the end, it was it was it was a good start for Kamala Harris to get her first win of the night, I guess. Um, although I do think she failed to communicate what their plan would have been or what it would be if they were elected in office. Um, you know, the, the creating mask mandates, they've already kind of gone back and forth on that. Um, great, uh, having, um, protective equipment, things like that's already been done. Like there's, she didn't communicate anything that would have, would have been new or, or say, Oh, why didn't we, we should have done that. So, uh, it was an easy win. Um, it was basically a topic that um, only uh, by, uh, Mike Pence could not win, but uh, uh, Kamala Harris could lose. But uh, she kind of kept the focus on 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 all the negatives that took place. So it was um, it was a win for Harris on that one. I think both of them failed miserably when asked about. Um, uh, if they've had conversations with their presidential candidate regarding, um, I'm paraphrasing here, a succession plan, uh, since they're both up there in age, um, neither one, I don't think either one answered the question at all, any point, any form or fashion. Uh, they kind of went back to previous topic and, um, and, uh, uh, this one, I think. Th- I think this. If if it would have been two weeks ago, this question really would have been for Kamala Harris to win or lose, um, because obviously Joe Biden is right currently four years older than Donald Trump. But with Donald Trump having gone through COVID, um, it was probably more applicable now than it would have been two weeks ago. But uh, I think. For, for the most part, uh, that's the biggest worry about Joe Biden and his age and competency. Is he losing himself? So that would have been a good question uh, for her to answer. Uh, but um, uh, I, I I just say both just failed on that. It was it was almost like a wasted segment because the question was not addressed or um, answered with any substance whatsoever. Uh, once it turned to the economy, um, I think I think Mike Pence was the easy winner there. Um, as far as what uh, Kamala Harris was discussing, a lot of it was just government spending, government spending, government spending, um, and you know that's that's always a concern. One, um, in order to spend more, you have to generate more, and um, with their with tax plan and things like that, uh, even though uh, they said they would not raise taxes for anybody under 400, she didn't really answer when Mike Pence commented that um, they both stated they were going to roll back uh, Donald Trump's um, basically uh, tax breaks that uh, he introduced and. Many of those, uh, many fam- um, many families and people who make under four hundred thousand, 
get, uh, get tax breaks and those would be gone. So she she failed to answer whether those breaks would continue. Um, so I think I think uh, also because the economy and the unemployment pre-COVID was strong, um, they Mike Pence pretty much was able to just talk about how things were um, pre-COVID and uh, what they did do to improve um, the economy and jobs and things like that. So um, I just don't think uh, Harris was, you know, gave sufficient answers. And um, I don't know if if you can just say what the government's going to spend money on uh, using that as your as your crutch for a good economy. Um, I don't know if that resonates with a lot of people. Um, Low-income people, yes, it, it, it definitely would because the uh, people who live in poverty, obviously, the more they can get to from the government, they, the happier they are. But um, those in middle class and up, that's not going to really resonate because, you know, these are things that they won't qualify for and things like that. And they're more worried about how it's going to hit their um, pocketbook and their bank account. So uh, I think the economy, Pence had the victory there. Um, <clears throat> although Harris tried to use the pandemic um as as a comeback of how the current economy is and uh, unemployment is um and it's what happened under Donald Trump um but honestly I think that was a very weak argument because the economy was would suffer under any president because um on the Democratic side, they've been opposed to opening things as soon as the Republicans have. So uh, that was a no-win um, conversation. And uh, to use that as kind of a, as a comeback, I, I think it's a big failure just because it, given what um, their strategy would have been, um, the economy was probably been worse. So um that was a weak attempt to try to use that um, against the current regime. Um, surprisingly, I thought the segments about the climate and China were a draw. Um, now, even though it, the Democratic Party has looked more as the environmental party, um the answers that Harris kind of gave were a lot of government spending on different things and and really things they want to institute um, to help the environment. But many of those things have a, a, a negative byproduct. And she really didn't go into um, how getting rid of, let's say, um, fracking and that industry and how it affects those people, how it would, it would turn around and get those people impacted, you know, get them on the right foot. And a lot of it was spending and 
um, spending on this, spending on that, going uh, to the back to the Paris Climate Accord, which a lot of people are against because once again, um, like many things, uh, the U.S. is 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 leaned on way too much by the world, and we allow it. Um, we're hated by the world until the world needs us, is how usually I put it. So, um, although many of what uh, Kamala Harris was saying about protecting the environment, yeah, it's going to get the people who are really into climate and environment. Um, it would they would definitely be on board with that. Uh, Mike Pence actually didn't do that bad of a job. Uh, um, basically, saying they're Record on climate is not as bad as what's what is what uh, has been reported and what the other side is saying. So I think it was uh, it was pretty much a draw there. And with China, um, I believe it was a draw as well. Uh, although I would have, I, I thought uh, Mike Pence would have won that one, but um, no, I think it was pretty much a draw. I think they both uh, had some hits and misses regarding China. Um, but it's, uh, many times it's which way you lean is who you think had the, the uh, upper hand uh, on those. Um, the topic about leadership and especially dealing with world leaders and things like that, uh, I think Kamala Harris I think she uh, she took that segment as well. Um, I think Mike Pence did make a good comeback at the end, but um, my problem is uh, he has Donald Trump to to defend, and many of the things that Donald Trump does rub so many people the wrong way. So it was it was a topic that. He had he would have had to throw a hail mary to win. Um, at the end, he he did he did kind of make a good comeback, but no, it was uh, that segment belonged to Harris. Um, when it came up to the Supreme Court, I think Pence won that segment. Um, I mean, he he won it outright because there was no surprises. There was nothing that um, he said that has been disputed, even with trying to rush the current um, opening through. Um, kind of, You kind of can't dispute what he was saying. Um, and I think the biggest problem with uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is their refusal to answer about um, the so-called accusation of packing the court if they get elected, where if um, the the current nominee that uh, Donald Trump is presenting uh, gets a seat on the bench that uh, if, if Biden is elected, they're going to um, make changes and add a couple seats to the Supreme Court and put a couple more liberals. Now, their, their outright refusal to answer, right there, it's, uh, it's a loss in that column. Um and for a side that talks about transparency and things like that, it just looks very shady. And uh, you know, I think that's I think that's something they need to 
they need to be honest about and because if they're if they're refusing to do that what else are they hiding what what else or do they not want to be transparent about so um that's 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 something i think that's the refusal to answer i think is uh one rubbing people the wrong way too it's not uh, allowing people who would like to know this information prior to voting to um to give the information they they need in order to make the choice they they uh, feel is right. Um, now, I was kind of surprised when the topic was actually of Breonna Taylor and whether justice was was served. Um, and I think I think both of their answers were predictable. Nothing that was newsworthy or shocking or like, oh, I didn't expect to hear that. Um, I think which, whichever side of the fence you really fall on um, is kind of the answer you went with. Um, but I, I, I kind of do question Kamala Harris's answer because she was a former prosecutor. She has dealt with um, police-involved shootings, violence, things like that. Um, and she definitely understands the process to just say that um, she doesn't think justice was served when she, she probably is without getting into even detail about her answer. Um, knowing how the, the judicial system works, grand juries work. Um, she should have been in more detail of why she doesn't think justice wasn't served. Uh, so in my opinion, I think she understood that. Uh, she understands why, what happened. But honestly, if she goes against it, those are votes that she's probably losing. So I think her answer was based more on votes than her experience as a prosecutor. Um, it's just caring favor. And, it's, you know, it's politics. Yeah, they're, uh, they're working for votes. So, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to crush her for that. Um, so that segment is really which side of the fence you fall on uh, in that case. Now, I think every, everybody can agree it was a tragic death. It was a death that uh, didn't need to happen. But as far as what, whether it was criminal actions or not, um, I think that's where the debate is. And um, people see it both ways. So uh, whatever your personal opinion is, uh, who you thought answered it uh, correctly. Um, I will say that uh, Mike Pence definitely had the line of the night uh, when when he told uh, Kamala Harris, "You're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts." Um, I don't know if he made that up, if somebody fed him that line, if he, it just—I mean, I—I I don't know the history of that line. Um, but that was, he, he said that a couple times and the first time he said it, I think, uh, Kamala Harris even kind of gave kudos for that. Uh, I think she said good line. Uh, so, uh, that was definitely the line of the night. Um, un, un, unless you're, um, you know, strongly for Biden, then of course you don't think it is. But if, if you're, uh, on the Donald Trump side or just, um, kind of in the middle, you're like, yeah, that was a pretty good line. Uh, and it's uh, it's probably one that's very fitting to uh, politicians, uh, and it might be used more often. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the line of the night. 
Um, I think uh, the moderator did a good job uh, for the most part. Uh, was in more control. Um, there were definitely times that um, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris kept speaking when she was trying to cut them off. Uh, Mike Pence was probably the bigger uh, culprit, but uh, they both did it. Um, but I think she, for the most part, she did it. She did a good job in uh, enforcing the rules, and and, and uh, you know, unfortunately, she couldn't force them to answer every question that was asked. And both of them definitely sidestepped questions. They either ignored the questions completely, answered a roundabout way, um, used a keyword in there as an answer, or uh, went back to a previous topic, but they both definitely sidestepped questions. Um, and it's obvious, and it's something that all debates, uh, happens in all debates, so because you know the candidate doesn't want to put themselves in a corner or um, say something that is not accurate or um, something that's gonna turn off voters. So it's, it's not surprising, but um, it was expected. Uh, in the end, I think if uh, you're voting for Trump, uh, you thought Mike Pence won. If you're voting for um, for Joe Biden, you thought Harris won. Uh, and I'm sure their camps came out and said, "Oh, they're 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 a, they're a person um, definitely won." Um, it was a good debate. Uh, I don't think it moved the needle for either side. Um, uh, we can't really say who won or lost. Uh, so that that's kind of why I kind of wanted to just break it down into segments and who won and lost each kind of segment. Um, I think it was close. Depending how you look at it, either one could have won slightly, but uh, it was definitely not a a, uh, a domination by either of the candidates. But it was uh, it was it was a good debate. Um, and it was very professional, so that, that that was good. Now, there was the last question that was asked to the candidates is, is actually a perfect segue into my next topic. Uh, an eighth grader uh, submitted a very good question. Um, and forgive me for not uh, saying the question exactly how it was asked, but in essence, it was, uh, how can, with all the divisiveness and um, not getting along that's going on, how can uh, how can we expect people to get along better if our leaders cannot? And um, it, it was a question posed by both candidates. It wasn't it wasn't for a debate. It was just uh, an answer that both candidates gave, and they they both gave. Uh, completely uh, kind of went to completely different angles uh, as far as uh, how to answer it. Uh, Mike Pence basically said, you know, the debate and the disagreement, it's constructive. And, uh, and that's how you can exchange ideas and things like that. And you can have disagreements, but shake hands at the end. Um, basically, what he's saying is you can agree to disagree, but you can still be professional and classy and, and be friendly after. Um, which happens. Uh, I think he even gave an example uh, on Superior Court, which you had Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a, a very liberal justice, and I think it was Anthony Scalia, um, a very conservative justice, 
that were very good friends, even though they were on opposite ends of the spectrum. So um, I think I think the problem is we see the disagreement, but we don't see the handshake at the end. So I think, but uh, that was his answer. And Kamala Harris, uh, you know, for the most part, gave uh, um, an angle of like Joe Biden, he can work to, to work out those issues and work with both sides of the aisle um, to be a good communicator. So so then the, it won't be as partisan as uh, as it is right now. So uh, they each kind of gave a uh, a different angle of uh, of that question. So it was uh, it was a good question and good to see two different two different um, viewpoints about the question. But um, in my in my humble opinion. I think a lot of what's going on, it can be blamed on the media. Uh, the media is a huge culprit in it because the media can give the narrative about what's going on. And you have now what you didn't have years ago, where you have biased media coverage from, from networks like MSNBC and Fox News that push the partisanship and push the disagreements and puts it to the forefront and definitely does not show the handshake at the end. Um, so depending on what you're watching, the media can, can push, uh, how people are viewing things. So I think, I think the, the media is, is very guilty of creating the divisiveness that we have today. And, um, I read a story uh, a couple days ago where it's, I mean, not like politics, it's actually a sports story that uh, where the media created the narrative. And I mentioned a previous uh, podcast where the the football, Miami Marlins are playing the Atlanta Braves in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Marlins are out, but we won't get into that. Um, where a Marlins pitcher uh, hit Ronald Acuna and it completely changed the the game and pretty much the momentum of the series. Um, and then, but then the next day I read an article uh, which stated that Ronald Cuna had been hit by the Miami Marlins five times within whatever time frame that, um, that was given, which and alluded that the Marlins uh, looked like they were targeting him. Now, on the surface, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. But what the article failed to mention was in that exact same time frame, there were two Marlins players that were hit the same number of times or more. Uh, Miguel Rojas was hit the same amount of times five, and Brian Anderson was hit six times, the same time frame. So the narrative that this article was giving was that uh, the Marlins are, are somehow targeting him, when in fact, it could be the other way around. Now, um, he's a little bit of a hot dog. He's a great player, but he's kind of one of those young, uh, flashy showboat players. So if he, it's like if he gets hit, it's like how dare you do that to me? Where the Barbers players who are hit, you know, they don't have the same talent, uh, the same numbers. They just go about their job. So they just walk to first base, no big deal. So it doesn't get the same view. It doesn't look as bad because. There's not a lot of hoopla about it, but 
once again, it's uh, it's the media who created that narrative that the Marlins were trying to pretty much hit Acuna. So uh, that's why I think the media is uh, is 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 a huge culprit in all this. And it kind of brings me to a documentary I watched um, the other day, and it pretty much talked about the two biggest scapegoats in my lifetime and for baseball, if not the history of baseball. And ironically enough, both their last names started with B. Um, and, and both really resonated with me because I was a fan of the winning team in both the situations. And both of them, both the incidents occurred during game six of the World Series. Now, in 1996, it was the Red Sox against New York Mets. Uh, I was a Mets fan at the time. I was in, I was not even, I was not even a teenager yet. So, but I was a big Mets fan. And Bill Buckner was the um, first baseman. And with uh, two outs in the last inning, um, the Red Sox were up three games to two. So basically they won the game, they won the series. And a ground ball went through the legs of Bill Buckner. And, um, and the winning run scored. So the Mets won the game. And now in, and ultimately won the series. And in 2003, it was the Florida Marlins at that time. There were the Florida Marlins at the Miami Marlins. And by then, it was baseball in Miami. So I became a fan of the Marlins. They were playing the Chicago clubs. And um, I, I kind of misspoke. Uh, this was not a World Series game. It was a uh, a uh, the National League Championship Series. So the winner of this series went to the World Series, and um, Steve Bartman was a fan who may or may not have interfered with a foul ball, um, but. Basically, after that, all the screws came loose, and the Marlins won the game. Uh, at the time, I think it was the eighth inning. Um, the Marlins won the game and uh, won the series. They went to the World Series and won the World Series. Um, and with the Buckner play, although they were multiple two-out hits, a wild pitch that actually brought in the tying run it was his error that brought in the winning run, and he was cast as the reason that they lost by Boston fans, by the Boston media. So it was it was Bill Buckner who was the reason why they lost the series, the World Series. Now everybody else, you know, they were off the hook for the pitchers, the catcher who, even though it was a wild pitch, I don't think the catcher made a very good effort to get the ball that uh, scored the tying run. And for that for the for, for, for that matter, the grounder that was hit to Bill Buckner, I don't even know if the runner would have been out at first base. Every time I look at the replays and Buckner was was a good let's say uh, 15 feet behind yeah, you know, 15 maybe yeah, probably about 15 feet behind first base. Um, and he was leaning down to pick up the ball. And Mookie Wilson, 
was running up the line who was a speedster. The more times I see the replay, I don't I th- I think Mookie Wilson might have beat out uh the play anyway. But Bill Buckner was cast as the villain and he was the reason they lost, even though he had a great career. He had great years in um in in Boston. He was looked at as a reason and it was in the papers and it was that was the narrative. The narrative was it was Bill Buckner's fault. They lost the game and lost the series. Um, to this day, everybody knows who Bill Buckner is. Nobody knows about Game 7. Nobody realizes that Boston was even up. They were winning Game 7, and then the Mets came back and beat them. Um, but it was all about Bill Buckner, Bill Buckner. And the media could have squashed that, but it was a good story. It was a headline, so that's what happened. Um, as far as... The Steve Bartman play on the foul ball that that was hit on um, down the left field line, and Moises Lou thought he could have caught it. Uh, it hit Steve Bartman's hand and and um, landed in the stands. So, what happens? The batter stays uh, has another chance, and Moises Lou was upset and. Um, basically was very animated. Uh, and that, that moment was, was said to be the reason why the Cubs lost the game and lost the series. And once again, the, Chicago was up in game seven and they still lost. But this poor guy, Steve Bartman, was vilified for it. Vilified for it at the stadium, uh, vilified for it in the media. Um, you know, to to the Chicago Cubs credit, uh, except for the manager Dusty Baker, he, he didn't really he he probably should have done a better job to letting this kid off the hook. Um, but the players, they they knew that that wasn't the reason they lost. Um, and after that foul ball, the Marlins scored eight runs on multiple pitchers multiple hits, and an error were committed after that play. So the Cubs had plenty of opportunities to stop the bleeding. Um, Alex Gonzalez, uh, a good fielding shortstop, he committed an error on what would have been a double play to end the inning. Now, Alex Gonzalez got lucky. He was spared Puckner status because, of course, Steve Bartman. Um, Because Steve Bartman got got the vitriol from everybody. It was, he was to blame. And the media just kept kept it alive. Um, after everything that happened, they, the broadcast, they kept showing uh, this poor guy, kept showing, showing him, showing him, then a replay and showing him and showing his face. And they didn't have to keep doing that. Um, and every time they showed it, it just kept putting the focus on him. Like he was the reason. This is the guy. Oh, there he is. And he's a Cubs fan, the poor guy. He was insulted. Things were thrown at him at the stadium. Beer, you can see him wiping beer off his face. And he had to be escorted out for his own safety. Not the people who were yelling at him or the people who threw things at him. He was the one who was escorted out. 
because of others around him, because he was being scapegoated. And, you know, fans are fans. They're irrational by nature. But the media just kept fueling the the flames. The national media gave out his name, which I think is completely wrong, Um, especially if he's not asking to be um, outed. The local media, not only did they give his name, they showed where he lived, gave what he did for a living. Uh, They disclosed all his information. So they kept it, they kept, they kept fanning the flames. And this poor guy had to go into hiding and he never wanted, he really just to try to alleviate some of the crap he was doing, released a statement apologizing, apologizing to everybody, saying he was sorry, embarrassed. For what? He did nothing, did nothing that others did not try at the moment because there were multiple hands going for that ball. It just happened to hit his. It could have been somebody else's hand that hit, but it happened to be his. So he was not the one who tried to get that ball. Most people who would have been sitting in that seat would have done the exact same thing. So he did nothing wrong. Um, but the media you know, wanted to push the narrative that it was, oh, it was, he created the bad luck. Instead of protecting the poor guy who did nothing wrong, they kept talking about him. I mean, disclosing his personal information is ridiculous. I mean, the media should, should be held accountable for that. But what they didn't do, they did not publish people's names or where they lived. The ones who actually broke the law by threatening him, you can hear people say, I'm going to kill you. That's a threat. That's against the law. There were people, those people who threw things on him were on camera throwing beer at him. That's against the law. The media did not disclosed these people did not do their research to find out who did what all they did was talk about the poor guy so the media kept pushing the narrative that it it wasn't the cubs who didn't do what they were supposed to do poor steve bartman was the reason they lost because he touched the ball that maybe would have been caught although the things that were controllable by the Cubs, they did everything they did to lose the game. But the blame was shifted to Steve Bartman. And national news, too. Uh, Michael Wilbon, who I respect very much, um, I think I was just journalist in Chicago and Washington uh, on a show on Pardon the Eruption on ESPN. He put Steve Barton as the number one reason why the, the Cubs lost the series. And that's just wrong. I mean, Bill Buckner is one thing. He was on the field of play. You know, fine. He he can deal with it more. But to go after a fan like that who did nothing wrong, I think it was ridiculous. And But once again, that that's why I say the media is probably the biggest culprit in the bias of NIF that's going on today. Uh, not only with the biased coverage on specific networks that are supposed to be journalistic networks, but also just putting it all out there. Everything 
that's the negative. That's that's highlighting. That's focusing on what is dividing people, and and because this is these are the headlines. These are these are the meaty stories, and so that's what they're going to push. And unfortunately, when it gets pushed, it becomes gospel to a lot of people. So, you know, unfortunately, even though I guess having a podcast is could be considered media. I definitely would never consider myself part of the media, but um, you know, that's something I I specifically did not want to do and I did not want to create a a platform where it divides people. I try to present facts as I see them um without being and we try to see both sides. Um and I'm not perfect. I don't but my agenda is not to create the narrative, just to give my opinion of what is out there. And uh, hopefully, I am successful at it. If not, oh well, I'll keep trying. But uh, with that, I will end this episode. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, topics you'd like me to discuss, feel free to send me an email, something at AOL.com. If you happen to be listening via the Anchor app, you can always leave me a voicemail through that app. Uh, I thank you for listening to this episode of Digging for Something. I am JJ, and I will see you when I see you.